0: Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. We're going to continue with discerning the times, but we're going to go, we're going to take a journey and we're going to end up in Jerusalem. We're going to end up there. I said, Lord... I know you put this series in my spirit, but it's Palm Sunday. And I realized that the gospel doesn't adhere to a calendar. People do. The spirit of God can do what he wants whenever he wants. And sometimes we miss a new thing because we're fixed on the old thing. So pray with me together as we journey to get to that place of Hosanna. Does everybody have a palm? Okay, good, I have a feeling you're gonna need them later. Let's, before we get to our primary text, I wanna lay some context. And the first thing I wanna establish is there are shadows and types in scripture but there's nobody like Jesus there's nobody like him Moses wasn't like him Adam wasn't like him Paul was there's nobody like him can we agree on that there's nobody like him and I've said this on more than a few occasions as we celebrate our 40th year our 40th anniversary which is a special Ebenezer but today we're going to look at 40 in the context of scripture. We've done it a few times. We're going to do it a little deeper today and if you look at the person of Moses as an example when Moses left Egypt he was 40 years old. Am I right about that? His test Doug was, would he choose to stay in the palace or would he go with his people once it was revealed? And the Bible says this of Moses. Moses chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That's pretty special. He could have been a prince in the palace for the rest of of his life, Deacon Johnson, but he chose to suffer with the people of God, people who were enslaved, rather than suffer the pleasures of sin for a season. I think he passed that test, wouldn't you say? The second test, for 40 years, you notice a pattern? He left Egypt when he was out old. He went to the backside of the mountain to tend sheep for 40 years for his father, Jephro, and he had an encounter with God who told him to go to Egypt. He was gonna be his deliverer. And, and sometimes when God calls upon us, it feels like a hard thing, Lord, I can't talk. I stammer, I stutter. And if I go, Pharaoh's not gonna to listen to me. Have you met that guy? He's not gonna to listen to me. Who shall I say sent me, sent me? He needs to know that there's some authority. This is Pharaoh. He's the most powerful man on the earth. He said, tell him I am. He said, I am that I am. That's all you need to know. I am that I am. And he said, if you are so self-reliant and so self-conscious, I'll send your brother Aaron with you and he'll be your mouthpiece and you'll be a God to him. In other words, the word that I put in your mouth, I expect Aaron to obey just like mine. He said, you will be a God to him. Not an idol, but you are the one I'm calling Moses, but I'm gonna prop you up. Sometimes God has to prop us up because we won't go otherwise because we feel like we don't measure up. And then Moses delivers the people out of Egypt and they wander in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. Moses had a lot of tests bishop. <laughs> for he passed the first one, he passed the second one kind of probably a C plus. The third one he didn't pass. He could not contain his impulse for the people who were stiff-necked and disobedient and didn't appreciate the grace of God and that frustrated Moses and he smote the rock twice. He didn't know that rock was Jesus Christ that only could be smitten once. He died once for all and that's it. Don't smite that rock twice because only once is enough. He's the one who said, "Nobody takes my life. I've got power to lay it down and I've got power to take it up again." There's nobody like Jesus. If you believe that, say in this room so the people on the live stream can hear, there's nobody like Jesus. Moses was faithful over his own, over God's whole house, but Jesus was a son of the house. There's nobody like Jesus. Let's look at Deuteronomy 8 and 2 to make a point here. Deuteronomy 8 and 2 reads, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way. How long? These 40 years, 40 represents testing. 40 is the number of testing in scripture. I told you Moses' life, his 120 years for a purpose. Last week, I talked about Caleb. When he spied out the land, he was 40 years old. We're going to see Jesus' 40 moment and how he did. That's the ultimate test. The ultimate test. In the wilderness, he led us all the you all the way, these 40 years in the wilderness, to, what's the purpose? To humble you and to test you. To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. It was about, the journey was 11 days. They could have gotten to Canaan in 11 days, but God... Wanted to humble them. Humility is important. You realize that it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. And when you understand there's nobody like him, we willingly submit ourselves to him. But we're living in a time where people, the broader culture, I'm not talking about in this room, God forbid. But in the broader culture, you do it and you do it yourself. And there are phrases like you only live once so that you get it all in. It would be difficult for Moses to suffer with the people of God and reject the pleasures of sin if his mindset was, you only live once, I better get it in. We live for him because we've been bought with a price. There's no greater joy than to live for him. Contrary to what the world says, there's no better way, in fact, I've come to learn that there is no other way. Let's get to our primary text before time gets away. We're going to look in Matthew the 4th chapter 1 through 11, verses 1 through 11. Matthew 4, the same story is told in Luke 4. It's a companion scripture, but we're going to look today at Matthew the 4th chapter verses 1 through 11. And there are a few things that will glean from Luke because he gives some information uh, that goes a little deeper so that we can see this text with clear eyes. Say amen when you have it. It reads, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Isn't it interesting? that after the devil left, the angels came and ministered. Why didn't they minister while the devil is there? You would think that's when he needed them. He was hungry, he was being tempted. Why did the angels wait until he left? I promise you, the host of heaven was watching this because this is the one who was in heaven, Jesus, who said, prepare me a body and I'll go down. There was no one in heaven. If you read Revelations 5, John the Baptist began to weep because he thought humankind was doomed. Because the angel who opened, looked, had the scroll, said nobody's worthy. God looked in heaven, he looked in the earth, and he looked under the earth and said there's no one who's worthy. And John wept and the angel said don't weep. The lamb is worthy. I told you there's nobody like him. There's nobody like him. They look, God looked in heaven means there was an angel who was worthy. The angels in heaven weren't worthy because you proved that you can backslide. The devil was an angel. An angel can backslide, you're not worthy. He looked in the earth, he saw Elijah and Elisha and Moses and Adam and Samson and all of them and Samuel and he said none of you are worthy. He looked under the word earth, he looked at everyone living, dead and not yet born. Nobody is worthy But that lamb is worthy to open the book and loose the seals. He loosed the seals, and he loosed you, and he loosed me. Said, loose him and let him go. I'm telling you, I'm trying to tell you, there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like him. Nobody. So the angels in heaven, sitting on the edge of heaven, looking down probably looking at each other. Is he going to do it? Is he going to give in? If he gives in, what shall we do? There are no more answers for humankind. And then I asked, Lord, why did the Spirit lead him? You told us to pray, lead us not into temptation, and the Spirit of God led him. Didn't it say in 4 and 1? Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. I said, Lord, this is confusing. He said, go to Genesis 2 and 20. Don't go there now. I don't want to send you scrambling. But in there, when Adam was formed, and God said it's not good for a man to be alone, and he said he needs a helper comparable to him comparable to him and right away i said lord i see it the spirit led because the spirit is a paraclete he's a helper comparable to jesus there's nobody like him he's he's our helper but we're not comparable to the spirit jesus was comparable to the spirit because he's god He's the Adam is not like him because the first Adam had a helper comparable to him, but he gave in to temptation. The second Adam, Jesus, had a helper comparable to him who led him into the spirit, but he didn't give in to temptation. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He was without sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. I wish somebody could hear me. There's nobody like Jesus. And so the angel stood up and said, he did it. I'm sure the father said, this is my son. In whom I'm well pleased I want you to know here's something I want to expose about the devil if you read in the latter part of Matthew 3 just before Jesus was tempted he was baptized and a voice from heaven before he did anything said this is my son in whom I'm well pleased I want you to know the devil went to him and said if You're this. Prove it. Reverend Drew, we ain't got to prove nothing to the devil. God has already approved us. When God has approved you, you have nothing to prove. You ought to know that I'm already approved, so I don't have to prove anything. And he constantly if. If you're this, if you're that, whenever you feel like you have something to prove, know that's the devil, that's not God. God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And right away, he's now tempted. When God is pleased with you, that's when trouble comes. The devil will try to make you think, trouble is coming because God is not pleased. The devil is a liar. He said in an audible voice that this is his son. He affirmed him. He confirmed him. And then he's tested. So what is the first thing he did? Before we get into that, I just want to say Jesus, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, is the second Adam. He said the first Adam is earthly. He comes from the earth. He's made from the ground. The second Adam is heavenly. The first Adam is fleshly. The second Adam is a quickening spirit. In other words, a life-giving spirit. That's why Jesus can say the words that I speak, they are spirit and life. Because I've come to give you life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life. And that you would have it more abundantly. I want you to have it more abundantly than Adam had it. Because Adam had it and he lost it. But when I give it to you, you can't lose it. Because I'm from everlasting to everlasting. I'm trying to tell you there's no body like him. He deserves the hosanna praise. So why would the spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? Because the test, the very test for Jesus was actually overcoming temptation. The writer of Hebrews says that he was He was tempted just like us. Yet, he was without sin. As the God man, see, I am, I like to think of myself as a man of God. A man of God. But Jesus was a God man. He was fully God and fully man. If you are the son of God, then do this or do that. But the the test for Jesus was actually overcoming temptation in order to have authority on the earth as the second Adam, to do three things, three things. To redeem our lives from destruction. For those taking notes, you just need one word, redeem, and he's redeemed our lives from destruction. The second is to reconcile. To reconcile us back to God because through Adam we were separated from God. Death is separation from God. God is the giver of life. He's the source of life. The third is restoration. To restore that which was lost. He came to redeem To reconcile and to restore. That isn't complete. There is more. He came to destroy the works of the devil. I know all that. But for this test, for this message, those three things will suffice. Now, I want you to look at the tricks of the enemy because he does the same to you and to me. When Jesus had fasted for how long? 40 is the number of testing. Afterwards, he was hungry. I said, I love the way Jesus fast. He was hungry afterwards. I'm hungry while I'm fasting. Some of y'all so spiritual, you don't get hungry until after you finish. See, he was hungry afterwards. And so it's, it's obvious why the devil offered him bread, isn't it? because he knew his vulnerability. He saw it as a weakness. It's easy for any of us to understand that. If you've ever gone shopping while you were hungry, you don't even have to be fasting, just be hungry. Just miss one meal and go shopping. The cart is running over. When I get home, my wife said, "You you were hungry, weren't you? you got donuts and all this stuff you ain't gonna eat but it's because that's the the desire of your flesh so what the devil was trying to get at is the desire, the lust, lust is a strong desire so I want you to know all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life you'll see in the text, that's all he threw at him he, he can do it in many different ways, but that's what it boils down to. We're not ignorant of his devices. And so he appeals to a strong desire. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. But there was something about Jesus that the devil obviously didn't know. Remember when the disciples went to buy food because they and Jesus were hungry, they hadn't eaten. And there was a woman at the well that Jesus was talking to and they said why are you talking to her in the first place we went to the market let's eat and Jesus said among other things but this is what we want to take away I've got food that you don't know of my meat and my drink is to do the will of him that sent me here is the point I want you to take away and those taking notes when my desire, when your desire, when our desire to please God is greater than the desire of our flesh, we will always resist temptation. Jesus' desire was to please God. When Adam was tempted in the garden, the devil said, has God said? It's always about the word of God. It's always about the word. Who are you gonna obey? And the devil said, when you eat this, God knows you're gonna be like him. To know the not have the knowledge of good and evil. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus told the devil what God said. See, Adam made a mistake by letting the devil tell him what God said. You got to know what God said. If you don't know what God said, you can be deceived. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm not hungry. My body is hungry, but my spirit is full because the word of God feeds me. The word of God nourishes me. That's what I live by. Is there anybody in this room who lives by the word? Of God is better than your favorite cheeseburger. The Word of God is nourishment. And so Jesus gave him the Word. That doesn't mean the devil won't try. He quoted Psalm 91. And I said, God, why Psalm 91? In the beginning of the pandemic, the most quoted verse in prayer was Psalm 91. Everybody all over the world was praying it. The devil knows that that verse has power, so he uses it against you. It's what we call in business, judo strategy. It is when someone who's weaker goes up against someone who's bigger and stronger, if they push, dick you pull because now I'm using your strength against you. If they pull, if they're pulling, you go with them. And when you go with them, their strength goes against them. And the devil knows that. He knows that he tries to do that to to us, but I want you to say with me, we're not ignorant of his devices. So after the first temptation, he then takes him up into the holy city. You know what that's like? The devil coming into the church, coming into a holy place. He comes into the holy city and he takes him up on a pinnacle of the temple And he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. What he's trying to say here, Kia, if you belong to God, you can do anything you want. You can do anything you want. That kind of lawlessness is a trick of the enemy. See, that would have been tempting God. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's written, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God, some people call faith what heaven calls tempting God. You got to know the difference because the enemy comes to deceive us. He comes to deceive us. That's where his authority is. It's in deception. He's cunning, more cunning than all the beast. But he's crawling on his belly because God said, you're going to realize that I am the one Who's in charge here. When that didn't work. Jesus told him what was written again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. He came the third time. The first one was the lust of the flesh. The second one. Is the, was the, the one we just read is the pride of life. Someone says something on social media, and I was like, man, it pierced me through. If you've heard the story of Hillsong, how many of you heard the story of Hillsong? Probably the largest church in the world, but it's had a fall greater than Humpty Dumpty. A a great, great fall because the lust for power. And there's a, a friend of New Covenant, a pastor whose daughter is caught up in it, And uh, in fact, we've been praying with him. He asked me to pray with him for her. It's public. Her name is Anna. And uh, he's the pastor of Victory Church, who we do this the Day of Hope with. So we have a partnership. We have a connection. But all the way in Australia, the stuff that they were doing. And one of the people who did the investigation said this. The higher you go up in the church, the less likely you are to encounter Jesus. Because people give in to this. You, get, you start out good and then you realize, they start roping off like VIP sections for people who were special. Contrary to scripture that says, if someone comes in and they're in nice clothing, do you say sit here and someone who's dressed poor you say, here, you are my footstool. He said, that's not of God, because God is not a respecter of person. You would think that that would be easy to recognize, but it's deceptive, and it happens slowly and over time, and then we get into hierarchy and structure and who's got power, and then people lust for power, and they want to be control, and they want to be the one to lord over things. Remember in Deuteronomy, it said, remember that God tested you these 40 years to humble you. The first thing was to humble you and then to test you because he wants to know what's in your heart. Because what's in your heart is going to be revealed and what's in your heart is based on how you treat people and how you understand power. I want you to know there is no power except the power of God. Everything is moving by the power of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due season. That one is a tough one. And many people get entrapped in that. There are some people that I love. I've never met them, but I pray for. Because I'm like, you're not far from the kingdom. I, I pray for them. One of one such is a person. His name is DJ Khaled. I like him because he has charisma. He's inspirational. I believe, I really believe it. From the outside, it may not look like that. I think he's not far from the kingdom. Because every time he finishes a set, he says, God is great. He realizes that where I am, and he, his to me, one of his uh, most popular songs is, I'm all the way up. Nothing can stop me, I'm all the way up. And if he's in himself, he's fallen to this. But he always ends it with God is great. I'm like, you got a ways to go. You're not there yet, but you're not far from the kingdom because you realize that what you have can only come from God. And where you're going, God will lead you. He just needs somebody to come in his life and recognize that there's a seed there and begin to water it. And I believe the platform he has, millions are going to come to Christ millions but there are many people who are deceived by those lyrics because they think nothing can stop me it's arrogance i read something that was powerful it says procrastination is the arrogance of assuming that god is going to give you more time you can't even wake up if god doesn't wake you up You can't breathe if God doesn't breathe the breath of life in you. And so we have to realize that our time is precious and our time is in his hands. And whatever I am and whatever I will be is because of him and in him, by him, through him, and because of him. There's nobody like Jesus. Let's get to the last one. The devil then took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. He took them up and he showed him. If I say to you, I wanna show you something, it's the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. Years ago, I was uh, in Newark, New Jersey. That's where my wife is from. And uh, I, don't, I wasn't there to see her. I was, I was in Newark though. Largest city in New Jersey. And this guy came up to me and he said, Woody, he said, I got this piece of gold. I'm going to give you a good price. It was a chain. I was like, man, I want that ice. And uh, see my eyes. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be Bobby Ice today. (laughs) And he said, he could tell. I was like, I don't know if this is the real thing. He said, is that your car? Open it up. I'm going to dip it in the battery acid and show you. Those words were so, I'm like, he wouldn't say that if it wasn't true. Now I know if it was true, he wouldn't say that. It's the other way around. I bought it, and I wore it, Bishop, and the first time it rained, I thought I had gangrene. I'm like, what's all this stuff? The lust of the eyes. It was not what it appeared it glittered, but I want you to know that all that glitters is not, not gold. And so he took him up to show him all this stuff, and that gets many people, many celebrity, celebrities fall into diverse temptation because everything looks good. You get everything around you is beautiful. You have so much You don't even have to spend your money. You go to a restaurant, it's free. You go to a club, they let you in. You just take a picture. Like everything. You think it's all about you. Why would the devil offer this to the Son of God who everything came from him? Why would he think that that was even appealing? Because the enemy... The tempter, as he's called in the scripture, knew that this was the second Adam. He's like, I got the first Adam. It's going to take more for me to get the second Adam, so I got to give him something. Let's go to Luke 4, verse 6 and 7. I want to show you something. Same story, but a little different information. Luke 4, 6, and 7. Listen to this. And the devil said to to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me. In other words, I got this legally. I didn't steal. It was delivered to me. I didn't rob Adam. I didn't steal it. He disobeyed God and it was delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Jesus, you don't have to go through what you... You know what? It won't be long. You're going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane. You don't have to do all that. He always wants you to take a shortcut. It looks easy, but it's like that which I thought was ice. It'll bring gangrene around your neck. He says, therefore... If you will worship before me, all will be yours. This was the last one, and the angels are now on edge. Oh, my God. He went back to restore the world. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the devil is saying, Jesus, you don't have to give your life. I will give this to you. But what's the problem? If Jesus would have made that deal, he would have exchanged his authority. He would no longer have the authority to redeem us, to reconcile us back to God, and to restore us. He would not have had the Hosanna moment because then he would have become a fraud. But I'm glad he's the real thing. He's the real thing. There's nobody like him. Here's the last verse, and we're going to land the plane. It's in Luke 4 and 13. Luke 4 and 13. This is a word for every one of us. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, everyone, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, that's all he's got. He he looks at what you desire and he tries to leverage that, play on your desires so that you give in to him. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. I said, look, opportune. Kairos is an opportune time. When a Kairos moment from heaven comes to your life and God is about to do something, that's when the devil shows up. It said, he left him until an opportune time. God told me to tell you with all clarity that sometimes it seems confusing He's doing something, and you know God is doing something, but you're like, why is this going like this? Why is this going like that? Because the tempter has come. Whom resist, and he'll flee from you. He's a liar. He doesn't mean you any good. He knows your desires, but he also knows your future. He knows what God has for you. He knows what God has said about you. He knew that God said Jesus was his son and whom he's well pleased. That's why he said, if you're the son of God. He knew he was the son of God, but he tried to get him to try and prove who he was. You have nothing to prove, because you're approved of God. You have nothing to prove. And every Kairos moment that comes to your life, I, I prophesy that you are going to walk in it. The devil will not snatch anything from you. He will not take anything from you. We clear up all that confusion in the spirit. In the name of Jesus, you shall walk in clarity. You shall walk in victory. You shall overcome every obstacle. Every obstacle that comes in your way. You're going to tread. On serpents and scorpions, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. The Red Sea will open up before you, because the Lord your God shall perform it. He's come before you. He's greater. He's stronger. He's mightier, and you never would have made it. You never would have made it without him. He said he hasn't brought you this far to leave you. He's with you. He'll never leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's got you. God has got you. He's going to raise you up. He's going to hold you up. He's going to hold you up. He said, when you're in your sixth trouble, I will no longer leave you. I will in no wise leave you. In your seventh trouble, I'm right there with you because the God we serve, there's nothing hard for him. There's nothing hard for him. That's light stuff. That's life stuff. All you need is the finger of God. I hear the Lord saying, I don't even have to use my whole hand. I can move the mountain in your life with the finger of God. The finger of God is mighty enough to move it. And that's why we come to today to raise our palms and say, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, I pray that you be pleased today. Today, we wave these palms in honor of you, your glory, your power, ride into Philadelphia, just as you rode into Jerusalem, ride in, lowly and humble, all power is in your hands. Blessed be, the name of the Lord blessed be the name and the Lord of the Lord forever and ever from everlasting to everlasting he is God the second Adam won't fail you the first Adam failed and we inherited death because of the first Adam but the second Adam came to bring us life He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's got you, even until the end. And even when it's all over, when you fall asleep, he's he's ready to welcome you. He said, I go away to prepare a place for you. It's not over when it's over here. It's a new beginning. For the rest of my life, I'm going to give him praise. What about you? For the rest of my days, I'm going to glorify Him because He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's good. He's good. He's good all the time. Even when bad things happen to me, He's good. His goodness is running after me. His goodness is running after you. His goodness is running after you. Don't focus on your troubles. Focus on his goodness. Goodness and mercy are following you. They're following you. Everywhere you go, there's nowhere you go that goodness and mercy is not following you. Goodness is running after you. It's running after you. It's running after you. you. There's nobody like him, nobody like him. That's why when they were waving their palms and Bartimaeus heard the sound and he heard him getting closer, he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, son of David, he was recognizing you're the king. When he said, Jesus, thou son of David, you're the king. He said, I'm blind, but I can see that you're the king. You're the one who's going to establish the throne of David forever. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And the closer he got, the louder Bartimaeus got. The closer Jesus came, the louder he got. Even though people were telling him, even the disciples said, stop stop troubling the master, I want you to know you can call on him as often as you need him and he's never troubled because the one who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleep. Before we close, indulge me for a moment. Just stand to your feet just quickly and give God the loudest praise that your lungs will allow you to do give god a crazy praise hallelujah give him a crazy praise Yes. Hi. Hey. yes Lord. I want you to know, I want you to know that a crazy praise doesn't make you crazy. Michael Davis' wife thought he was crazy. When he danced, a way that didn't look becoming of a king but here's what david said i will be more undignified if that bothers you you wait till what's what's gonna come you just mad because your god took the kingdom from your father and gave it to me i will yet praise him come on and give god a crazy praise is feeling better yes Lord yes Lord you may be, in, be seated in the presence of the Lord our time is gone you don't have to just praise him in this build, building when you feel an unction give him praise there may be someone on the live stream or in this room that you've decided You want to give yourself to the one who gave himself for you. He gave himself for you. If that's you, quickly just raise your hand. If you're in the live stream audience, I want you to text decision. Decision. Today is your day to make the best decision of your life. Raise your hand. You don't have to come up. You just raise your hand and we'll see you and somebody will minister to you. It is a season to build up the body of Christ and to compel others to come in. He died for you. He loves you. He loves you more than you know. He loves you better than you love yourself. He'll never forsake you. He wants you. I see someone pointing. If you're not in my range, You come and see me afterwards. Last week, someone came up to the altar and we'll have someone waiting for you, but text to decision. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for revealing the purpose of the test that comes to our lives to humble us and to know what's in our heart. God, reveal the thoughts of our heart that we might know because we know that if we regard iniquity in our hearts, you won't hear us. We need to hear you and we need you to hear us. So we want to stay in right standing, bless your people everywhere now and make us a blessing in Jesus name, amen. Thank you for joining us in service today.